Hi everyone, I'm Paul. And I'm Michelle. And you're in the, the Spooky Coop. Welcome to the Spooky Coop. Hope you're not chicken. <laughs> So today we're going to do a little bit different. Today Paul's going to start with his story. I hope everybody's ready. This is an interesting story. Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> this is a story that is, we're not sure, maybe, maybe not alien, maybe, maybe not earth spirit, maybe, maybe not ghostly. Maybe, maybe, maybe not Maybe, followable. maybe, maybe not followable, but at the very least, a it's possible true. combination of all three, and most certainly true by the perceiver of this experience, whose name is Kyle. Yeah. Kyle relayed this story to me. It happened to him back in 1996. Mm. Some time ago, and it happened on Lake Ontario. Yeah. Actually, it was from the shore of Lake Ontario. Kyle was uh, doing some UFO hunting. Kyle was a UFO hunter. And uh, he and his friend Agnes, um, <laughs> they were, she, Agnes had this big... Carl didn't like Agnes, did he? He, he picked not, a terrible pseudonym for Carl, her. Carl, Kyle. Um Kyle was, had run into Agnes when he was on the shore. He, Kyle had this other camera set up of his own, and they sort of hooked up. That They um, you know, became buddies, so to speak, in this, this UFO hunting adventure. And everything was all fun and games. They were seeing lights flying around, sometimes flying in and out of the water, wow. which they considered a big score when they could get something like that. And they were out there collecting what they thought was valuable data. Until one one evening, because they would usually, it would be at nighttime that they'd do their filming. And uh, Kyle was out there looking, and there was this odd mist over the lake off hmm. to the west. They were looking... Could it be humidity? Probably, but it turns out to be a mist that is hu- maybe the result of humidity or whatever, but you'll hear later on in the story how odd that humidity was. Mm. So they were looking down west along the shore from the northern side of Lake Ontario towards Hamilton, if anybody's familiar with that area. And there's the, the from where they were, you can see if you're from, you know, in Toronto, you can look down to the west and see the lights along the shore and you get, they would get used to what lights were normal for seeing, you know, you'd see the, there's a big bridge, I guess, over the harbor there. And uh, the lights extend down along the lake, along the uh, lake shore that continue on down around the Golden Circle towards Niagara Falls. So one evening, Kyle's looking, and something very odd happens. There's these series of big, bright lights that come on, and there's he's described it as something like less than a dozen big, bright lights that come on that that he had never seen before. So he's looking through his big lens, and he's got this sort of telescope device that he told me about. And it was even more powerful, and he's looking, but he can't quite get it 
to be calm enough as he's looking at it. Oh, it was shaking. Yeah, yeah. The um, because of its um, yeah, its size and the I guess his tripod wasn't that uh, wasn't that stable. He said it was just at a distance where he just needed it not to shake, and he had trouble zeroing, and he was some distance away. So he looked at Agnes Agnes's through Agnes's equipment, and it was a little bit sharper. So he finally said he had to resort. He had this, this, these um, binoculars he'd borrowed, these high-powered binoculars, and he went back and got them and set them up. You know, they, you couldn't record anything with it, but so he normally didn't bring it with him. So he set up this binocular, high-powered system, and he's looking down. And over, he said over the over the period of a couple of hours, he was absolutely transfixed. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. As he looked down at these series of bright lights, he was watching, and they appeared to be sitting inside this mist that had come up over the lake. You know, not uncommon to say, he said. And I've, I've seen, you know, mists over the lake down there, and, you know, and they will generally, around dust time, you might see them rise up. Um, and as the, the lights, they're changing colors, he's looking, and all of a sudden, it seems to clear and receding back into the distance from the lights are more lights mm. and more lights and more lights and it becomes very three-dimensional and all of a sudden he realizes he's not looking at the lights of Hamilton he said it was almost like being in a theater the lights that went back they were all these really odd beautiful colored lights but they seemed to go on into eternity. He, wow. it, it blew him away. He thought, you know, is what, what on earth is going on? This does not make sense. How can this possibly be? What, 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 is, it, what is it I'm, lo- I'm looking at? He, he said he was, it just kept going over and over in his mind. And it was so far off, they couldn't get a really good record of it on, on um, I guess back then they were filming onto VHS tape or something or you know, way back before the, you know, you could record directly onto a digital card of any kind. So at some point, you know, Kyle says to Agnes, let's, I'm going down there. You can stay here if you want, but I'm going to go down. I've got to get a closer look at this thing. And, uh, you know, Agnes is having trouble looking at it. So they, she agrees she's going to follow and they, they head down. And as they drive down, they get, they, they drive quite some distance towards Hamilton and uh, it's just somewhere between Oakville and Hamilton. They, I think he said there's a big Ford plant along there. And just east of the Ford plant, they pulled into an area. There was a, an area on the lake that they could get to. And they went out and they found a spot. And they, they set up their equipment and looked. And the bright lights that they were seeing were no longer visible. They weren't visible on the shore nor were they visible if they looked directly across the lake towards Niagara Falls region, because they're now close to the west end of Lake Ontario is. But what they do see, what, what Kyle does see, is the mist they were looking at is still there. It's like a fog bank, but it is occurring offshore. It doesn't come onto shore. He can see it on the lake, and he watched as a, um, a fishing boat in the dark, it had lights on, or a pleasure craft, some type of boat anyway. It's driving along, along the, riding along, along the edge of this, this big cloud bank. And up in the cloud bank, 
a couple of hundred feet up. He said it was about 200 feet or 300 feet, somewhere in there, the height of this cloud bank. He looks into it and he can faintly see this gold blob of light floating up, floating, just stationarily floating up. So he's, he said he's looking at about somewhere close to a 25 or 30 degree angle from shore up to this thing. And it's just sitting there. And he, and he couldn't, he's had no idea, there's nothing that it could have been that, that he was aware of from all the things that he had looked at. Could it have been a reflection on the cloud of the lights on the boat? He said that it was, there was no light, uh, nothing on the ground that could have caused this. Like there's no tower, it's just water out there. Yeah, he said it was probably about a, a half a mile from shore that, he, that this thing was. He was giving a ballpark guess, half a mile to three quarters of a mile. And he said there was no tower or anything that could have caused this light. He said it was about half the width of the little boat that he was watching floating across. Mm. And, and it, it would have got bigger if it was the boat reflecting on the clouds. Yeah. The light would have dispersed and right. got bigger, and not it, smaller. Right, and the, he said the, 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 the fog would sort of cover and uncover it as, because it was sort of shifting. wasn't the moon. No, he said, I did ask, and he said it was absolutely not the moon. Wow. So the moon was, this was a, a glowing yellow, goldish, orangish colored globe. He, he said it was really hard to tell exactly because it, it seemed to change and subtly. I'm, I'm sure you asked him the standard questions. Was it Venus? Was it Mars? Yes, was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Was it your mother's toothbrush floating? No, none yeah, of that. Yes, <laughs> questions. Yeah, yeah. And to this day, he said that he he doesn't know what it was, but it did change his life. Mm. And he he surmised, and we talked about it. He surmised that it could have been a couple of things. You know, there's all this talk about a, uh, an alien base on the on the west coast of on of Lake Ontario that no one's ever been able to find never mm -hmm. found the front door to ring the doorbell or anything <laughs> right and but he said that it it could have been something alien but he didn't think so because of there's been reports of strange light phenomena over lake ontario or in fact over uh, i guess several of the great lakes but particularly lake ontario from both ends people recording seeing these strange odd light phenomena geologists have talked about the um the floor bed um, of the lake and the, the uh, materials that it contains, magnetic materials that could interact in some way to cause some type of light material. But the lights that he saw, they were organized. They mm. were in rows. And we know how science likes to explain things it doesn't understand. Always. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It tries um, to explain the unexplainable, yeah. right? Light. Reflecting off the bottom of geese and uh, yes. weather balloons and anyway, he um, he thinks that it the possibility of some type of earthlight phenomena that we just don't understand yet. Mm -hmm. He he said that he had never seen and nor has he since seen any type of phenomena where it appeared like he was looking through into another dimension almost. It it gave that type of an effect. Wow! And it was something that. It, it truly penetrated his consciousness because to this day when he talks about it, his eyes light up and he, he said it's, it's like yesterday that he can, he can remember it. Wow. This thing. And that is my story for the start for today. Oh, cool. We don't get many Earthlight stories. No, and, we don't. 
<laughs> and I'm really glad you got that one. So for the next story I have, it's probably not as cool as your story, but it is really interesting. Long time ago when I was a kid, we were sitting around, you know, a fire out camping, and a friend of my dad's name, Eddie, told a story. Now you might hear my dog uh, over there making noise. He's in the other room. He wants to be in here, but it's like 100 degrees in here, and he pants all the time, so we can't let him in here. And it's interesting because the story I'm about to tell you is a, has a dog in it. So if you hear him, just ignore him. Eddie, he's now called Ed in the story, and I'll tell you why. Told this story around a campfire when I was really young. And I thought, oh yeah, this is just one of those campfire stories. And that was until I met his grandson later at his grandson's wedding and found out that it's all true. His grandson, who's now an adult, swears that it's true. But at the time, I thought it was a campfire story. So here's the story. Ed said that his daughter, Susie, gave birth to his first child, and that was his grandson. They named him Edward after Ed, you know, his namesake. So they started calling him Eddie, like his grandfather. Mm -hmm. So not to get things confused here, I'm going to call his grandfather Ed, and I'm going to call the grandson Eddie. At Ed, least I'm going to try. Ed and Eddie. All right. Got Ed it. is the old guy, or the grandfather. Old Ed. And Young Eddie. The, grandfa the child is Eddie, all right? And the mother is Susie, okay? Now, this is what happened. Eddie, excuse me, Ed is a real mountain guy. He liked primitive camping most of all. He liked to fish. He liked to be out in the woods with just his, you know, a real primitive tent. And that was it. He took whatever water he could. I think he even had one of those things that you could drink pond water because it cleaned it up and everything. You know, he went out there and whatever he found, he, he ate. Whatever he caught, he ate. That type of primitive camping. Not like me. Primitive camping for me is to take out a mobile home or one of those big, big... Things that have air conditioning, bathroom, sauna. One of those things you pull the, what do you call it, canopy out, mm -hmm. put the screen around yep. it so no mosquitoes get yeah, in. Yeah. You know, that's camping for me. Actually, camping is probably the Hilton or something. With, at this point, yeah. Yeah, at this point. So he asked his daughter, can I take little Eddie camping? Little Eddie was probably five years old. He was a preschooler. And his mom said, no. You're not taking him out in the woods camping. That's crazy. And all that summer, he kept asking her, I want to take, you know, little Eddie camping with me before the uh, year's over, before the summer's over. And his, his daughter kept saying, absolutely not. You're not covering my kid with deet and taking him out to eat a dead squirrel. It's not going to happen. So finally, he decides that he's going to trick her. So he goes out and he gets a pamphlet for one of those really sort of nice 4-H type camping places. And it shows a swimming pool with a lifeguard and little uh, cabins and people have their, you know, they have a tent that you can bring a tent and it has a playground. And he finally gives in and he says, I'm going to take him here. I'd rather take him here than not take him at all. 
can I bring him here just for one night? Like, I'll take him on Saturday and we'll be home Sunday evening. So she gives in. And she says, you promise you're going to be there, not in some bear-infested Ozarks or something. And he says, I promise this is exactly where I'm taking him. So she relents, and she gives in. Mom got all his bathing suit and his play clothes and all that stuff and snacks and everything. And she packed up his little away bag, and Grandpa put him in drove back to his place, not to the parking place, not to the 4-H place, undid his bag, took out the little swimsuit, took out all the stuff he didn't need, packed the deet, packed the rain gear, whatever it is that they needed. So he's evil grandpa. Yeah, evil grandpa. Tricky grandpa. Let's just say tricky tricky grandpa. grandpa. Packed it all into a backpack and headed out for the deep woods. So they marched as far as the little guy could march into the woods, and then he put them on his shoulders and took them a little further in. They put up their primitive little pup tent thing that I believe was only a top, he said. And they went in there, and he started a little fire, and his grandson was playing in the woods not far from him. You know, he could see him. He's jumping around with sticks, and, you know, and he keeps saying, don't eat that mushroom, you know, be careful, stay around camp. And he's making a fire, and he's watching his grandson while he's, you know, rubbing sticks or whatever you do in the in the primal woods to make a fire. Maybe he had a flint, I don't know. But he's out there doing his thing, and every now and then he looks at his grandson, and if he doesn't see him, he says, Eddie, and he says, here, Grandpa, and he says, come closer, and the little boy does. And then one point, when he gets the fire going, he says, Eddie, come on, I got the fire going, and the boy doesn't reply. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. Nightmare. And so he yells it louder. And then he kind of runs out where he saw the boy playing last. The boy's not there. Oh. And he runs all around the area, around the campsite, yelling mm-hmm. the boy's name. Yeah. But the boy's not there. Yeah. And he's really getting nervous. I mean, it's not late, late in the day. So he's not he's thinking the boy is lost not picked up by a wild animal right and so he's really really running around looking for him and as he's looking for him he's getting more and more concerned so the sun's starting to go down and now he's really really getting concerned and he's yelling his name and he's running further and further and he comes back towards the campsite and he runs out again, and now he realized that he has two options. One is to keep running around and looking for his grandson, or two, to run down the hill through the woods and find help. Now, this was a long time ago. There were no, nothing like a cell phone. Maybe if he got to the bottom of the hill, he could call for help on someone's landline. Yeah. You know, so what did he do? Did he take a chance, go down the hill, and and his grandson, he doesn't find him, and he's, you know, attacked by a bear or something? 
or he gets back to camp and he's gone and his grandson's all panicked, or he gets help and they find him. He decides he's going to stay up there. So he's looking and looking and looking through the night, can't find him. In the meantime, he hears all these animals. And in the woods, even something as small as a raccoon or a porcupine or something can sound like it's a huge animal because of the way it shifts the trees around. And even a deer can sound like it's a puma. And so he's terrified all night long. In the morning, he walks back to camp and he decides this is it. He's going to have to go down the hill and get help. He's even at that point hasn't even thought about how much his daughter is going to kill him. He only thinks about that as he's packing up what he can because he has to pack up enough supplies for him to walk out. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to pack up some easy supplies so his if his grandson gets back to camp, he'll have something. So as he's packing things up, he turns around because he hears something and a big shepherd mix dog, kind of shaggy, with like black on its face, black paws, and a black tip of its tail, the rest of it kind of a brown color, a little bit shaggy, comes into the area, into the clearing, and right behind the dog comes his grandson. He runs to his grandson, picks him up, so happy to see him, until he's really upset, and he's like, where have you been? His grandson tells him that he got lost, and then the dog found him, and the dog brought him to a cave and stood at the cave, the opening of the cave, and he knew that the dog told him to stay there so that no animals would come and hurt him in the dark. And then the dog told him that it would bring him back to his grandfather as soon as the sun came up. The funny part is his grandfather looked at the dog and he knew the dog. He swore that it looked like a dog he owned when he was a young boy. Wow. It was the best dog he ever had when he was a young boy. Mm. It was the same exact length of hair, the same exact markings, exactly the same. And he looked at the dog, and the dog had started to walk away at that point, just turned and slowly walked away. And he called. He said, Hey, Butch! And the dog turned around and looked at him and wagged its tail and then walked again into the woods. And he watched the dog walk. And when the dog got past some trees, it disappeared. It didn't like walk into brush and he didn't see it. He said it walked towards the leaves and it just vanished. Vanished. And he knew, he says to this day, he knows without any doubt that that was the spirit of his dog, Butch. I have one more quick story if you don't have another one to tell. I don't. Please go ahead. Okay. Now, this one I've heard in several different, from several different people in several different sort of different ways. But the one I'm going to tell you I heard firsthand from someone I think that there is a reoccurring spirit in this area because this has happened to many people in that area. A reoccurring spirit. Yeah, yeah, because you'll hear many uh, 
stories just like this in that area. So I think they probably happen at this area over and over again. I read this, I read an event just like this in that area in a Mm -hmm. book. And it happened to a police officer. But this happened to someone I know who wasn't a police officer. And they they told us about it. This person was driving down this particular road. When they were driving down this road, they were in the middle of the road, very small road, barely a two-lane road. And while they were driving down the road, they were passing this certain area. And strange things happen in this certain area. And as they were passing it, their car died. Now, it didn't just stall. It didn't you know, start to go, and they had time to pull over. It just actually stopped. It stopped. died. It became what we call DDRD. Yeah, dead, 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 dead real really dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> and it, could, it didn't move. And he tried to restart it over and over again, but it would not restart. So he was looking around for somebody he could borrow their phone because the other thing was his cell phone was dead. Mm. As he turned around, he saw this man coming down this little dirt road that was led to a farmhouse. And when he looked at the man, the man was dressed, you know, like a farmer, the blue jean, the blue jean um, overalls and a white t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he thought was the white t-shirt, this guy must be used to the cold because it was pretty chilly out. Then he said, ah, what the heck? And he got out and he said to the guy, you know, could you help me with the car? And the guy said, well, until you can get a mechanic, why don't we push it into my driveway? And so they pushed it into his driveway so it wouldn't be in the street. And he said, and he said, well, I'm going to call a mechanic. Do you have a phone I can use? And the guy said, there's a phone in the house and there's a phone in the cattle barn. Because the guy had a big barn and he had a house. So he walked up to the house and the guy said, you want a glass of water? And they gave him a glass of water. And he said, if you want some coffee, my wife's going to make some coffee. And he said, no, I don't want to impose. Just the glass of water's fine. And the guy picks up the phone and it's an old black like Bakelite phone, an old black hard plastic phone, right. and it had a cord on it. And you, you could don't knock out a cow those. with that phone. Yeah. I remember those you, phones. Yeah, you don't see those phones anymore. Mm-hmm. And it had a dial pad on it. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know what a dial pad is, it's this plastic round thing that has numbers, and each number goes around in a circle and has a little cutout over it. And you have to put your finger in the number that you want, and you have to turn the dial all the way to that number and let it go. And this is like a really rotary phones. Yeah, rotary phone. These I are that's really what used to be called. they got rid of these phones. This maybe thirty, forty years ago. So, or they started getting rid of them Thank 30, 40, 40 years ago. But he thought, wow, this is an old farmhouse. Everything looked pretty old in there. Um, maybe these people just, you know, don't feel like changing things. You know, some people, if it's good enough, don't change it. If it's mm-hmm. not broken, don't fix it. Um, and he picked up the phone, but there was no dial tone. And he said to the man, "We, you know, there's something wrong. And the guy says, oh, that's right. The only phone that works is in the cattle barn. And so the man with, went with him into the cattle barn. And his first thought was, 
ah, uh, this seems like a horror movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go in the cattle barn, and the guy's going to pull out a chainsaw. <laughs> he was really nervous, but mm-hmm. he went into the, followed him into the cattle barn, which he said looked nice and clean and well-maintained, and there was a similar telephone in the cattle barn, but it also had no dial tone. And he said to the guy, well, I'm just going to go out to my car and wait till somebody else comes down the road and I'm going to flag him down. The man said, all right, here, why don't you take your water with you? It's the least you can do, at least I can do for you. And so the guy waved goodbye to him. He walked down the road. He put the glass down, sat on the hood of his car, reached down later to get the, the glass and it was gone. And then when he turned around and he looked back at the house, wondering if he could go back and get more water, the house was all burnt down and the barn was absolutely burnt to the ground and the house was just a burnt out shell. Wow. Yeah, that was spooky. And other people have had the same thing happen. Really, really spooky. So there you have it. We'll see you again next week with more stories of the strange and paranormal. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in the, the Spooky Coo.